Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 today we are finishing up our running back rankings for our running backs one, RB1s, and RB2s. So what does that mean exactly? RB1s are running backs that you have ranked from the first spot, Christian McCaffrey for me, all the way to the 12th spot. RB2s are then your 13th to your 24th. It's how many running backs would actually start for you in a standard, which is now 12 team and not 10 team league. So we're going to finish up our RB2s today, which means running backs 21 to running backs 24. We got four of these fellas. We're going to finish them up today. How y'all doing? What's going on, everybody? I hope you're all relaxing, maxing, chilling out, playing b-ball up in your school, whatever you're doing, right? You're hanging out. You ended up the quarantine, wherever you are. Hope you're staying safe out there right now. I'm excited to go into these running backs. We did a ton of wide receivers yesterday through wide receiver 16. That got really popular. We'll be going all the way through wide receiver twos to 24. A couple more videos going to be queued up for that one. But for right now, we're here. We're relaxing. If you're brand new to the channel, a lot of people be reaching me day in and day out. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We like to chill, kick back here, get ourselves some education while we're here on the season upcoming. So our league mates, whoever we're playing, our office mates, if we're playing for high stakes, we'll just absolutely dominate them because we're in so early, we're in so advanced, and we're in so deep into this analysis. I love it. I love it. So please take off your shoes. That's what we do here. We're relaxing. Get yourself a beverage and take a second to hit that like button right there and smash that subscribe button. A couple seconds of your time. I really do appreciate that. It's allowing this channel to grow. It's allowing it to potentially flourish during the month of July and August when a lot of people start to look into fantasy football and fantasy sports in general. So thank you all so much. Question of the day for you today. Would you rather have this season David Johnson or David Montgomery? Let me know. Those are two guys today that we'll be talking about. They're very close for me. Would you rather have David Johnson, David Montgomery? Take a second to get down below in the comment section and get into the discord. The discord is totally free. We're all talking in there every single day. It's going very nicely. It's a community that I'm trying to build of like-minded people that enjoy fantasy sports, fantasy football, football in general. You can come chat there totally free down below. Ask any questions that you might have. So with all that said, thank you for being here. At the end of the show, I'll actually put up a comment from somebody yesterday. We're taking priority on the, the podcast reviews, but then also the YouTube comments if there's no podcast reviews for that day or they haven't been uploaded in time. Just somebody says something nice about the show. I want to just kind of give support and give a shout out to those people. So I'll have somebody at the end of the show. You can stick forward to see if it was you. If you want to post something nice, in the comment section. And mainly the priority will be the, the podcast review, the Sal Vetri show over there on Apple iTunes podcasts. That will be prioritized at the end of the show to kind of show you and give some appreciation back to everybody out there who's saying some nice things about me. I really do appreciate it. The comments mean a lot. It makes me want to keep creating this content for all of you. So let's start it off with number 21. Hit that subscribe button, do all those things. Tell a friend that's a big thing too. Just word of mouth is totally free about this content. We'll start it off with the 21st ranked running back for me as of right now for fantasy football 2020. And that is David Johnson, the new Houston Texans. Now, David Johnson last year, while he was with the Cardinals, played in 12 games. He played on 54.5% of the snaps, 94 carries, so not even 100 carries on the ground, 345 yards, six touchdowns, but he was very good in the receiving game. 36 receptions on 47 targets. He ended up having 370 receiving yards. And you can see right here from Jared Smola, just David Johnson's receiving game ranks last year overall, fourth in yards per target, seventh in yards per route run, and ninth in PFF receiving grade. So he was very good. He was a top five, borderline top 10 running back in terms of receiving grades when it comes to an efficiency standpoint. Not so much a volume standpoint, but that's because there's other running backs in that backfield, i.e. Kenyon Drake, i.e. Chase Edmonds, and also because he was just injured for four of the games. But David Johnson's main issues were obviously on the ground. I mean, he had 5.5 yards per touch, which was 10th. That was the good point. But after that, it pretty much just dropped off. And a big reason why the yards per touch was up there was because of the receiving game numbers. On the ground, he was 55th in true yards per carry at 3.6. Here's some really gross numbers. 63rd in yards created per touch, 35th in fantasy points per opportunity at just one fantasy point per opportunity. So none of those are really that great in general. And the Texans really, they don't throw to their running backs 
backs all that much. Third fewest times per game in 2019, they threw their running backs, just Jared Goff, and I believe the Titans threw less. Makes some sense there. You have Derrick Henry in the backfield, doesn't catch the ball that much. Uh, Jared Goff is a little bit interesting. They really shows you what they did with Todd Gurley, not using him as much last year. And you can see the big concern, and I have Graham Barfield. You can see fantasypoints.com. This is a free article over there. You can check it out. Just his discussion on why he doesn't think David Johnson is going to be a good fit for this offense if they do what they did last year. Carlos Hyde goes over a thousand yards last year, but they primarily ran him inside. You can see here, and I'll highlight the section, but 76% of the time, Carlos Hyde ran on the inside. David Johnson is not a good interior runner running on the inside, just 3.87 yards per carry on inside runs, excluding goal line runs, which you can't get more than like five yards on, of course, so it's going to skew that data. So when you exclude those things, he ranks 43rd of 57 of running backs during the spam that was measured during this time since 2016. So over the last four years, David Johnson is one of the worst running backs in the league, or at least in the bottom third, bottom quarter of the league in terms of running on inside zones. And that's a big reason why in two years ago, he was struggling in an offense that never ran him to the outside. And he just struggled up the middle a ton and had a really poor season. And if we think that Bill O'Brien's going to do that and not really innovate and change the offense, which nothing really indicates that he is going to do that too much. Well, now David Johnson's in a situation where they don't check down to the running back. That's a big problem. And now they're going to run him up the middle where he struggles to kind of get any separation, struggles to break tackles and struggles to really show what's left of his skill set as he's close to turning 29 years of age. These are concerning things. And this is why he's ranked outside my top 20 right now. Houston's offensive line in 2019 actually took a huge step forward, but mainly in the pass blocking game. And that was because of Laramie Tunsil. I mean, they were the one of the worst teams in the league. Laramie Tunsil comes in and provides one of the best offensive tackle performances that you can see from him fourth best overall. After last year, they were in the bottom uh, 10th of the league in terms of just blocking for Deshaun Watson, but their run blocking unit was not good. 27th ranked run blocking unit overall. Their best run blocker had a 69 overall grade, which is not good. It was averaged in the mid fifties for everybody on the offensive line for run blocking. So that is not good. Tunsil, I believe, was their best offensive lineman when it came to run blocking, just a talented player in general, but it was a scary and a sketchy run blocking unit to say the least. The Texans in the offseason, in terms of additions, they added one, David Johnson, Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb. So some veterans that are aging, but still on the, the right side of 30. I think a lot of people think David Johnson's like 32. Randall Cobb's like 32. These guys are still in their twenties, late twenties, of course, maybe some injury issues, maybe some decline in their performance. But I think there's at least one or two seasons left in all these guys tanks, especially Brandon Cooks. So although they lose guys like DeAndre Hopkins, and that doesn't look too great. I mean, Randall Cobb, David Johnson, and Brandon Cooks, those are talented players coming in. Yes, they might have been injured and or did not perform greatly last year. but These are still talented players, at least in my opinion. Now they lose Taiwan Jones, they lose Carlos Hyde, so some running back depth there. In terms of offense from the NFL draft, they don't do much. They get Charlie Heck in the fourth round, an offensive tackle, and then a wide receiver in the fifth round, Isaiah Culver, who they actually just ended up officially signing. But because they traded away all their first round picks and draft picks, they didn't really have much left to do in the draft. Now David Johnson's durability, in 2014, he sustained his first injury where he missed a game with a shoulder. In 2017, he had that wrist injury that we all remember that maybe didn't seem too serious. And then he ends up missing 15 games. And then last year, he missed three games with mainly an ankle sprain. He missed two of them, but then also a back injury, which lingered, caused him to miss a game and likely affected his play for most, if not all of the season. The backfield competition is not much. And that's why there's a lot of hype. I would say, quote unquote, hype as David Johnson as a high end RB2, or at least a very nice RB3 option for you. I mean, it's Duke Johnson, who in 2019 saw 49% of the snaps. He saw 83 carries for 410 yards and five touchdowns. He's not known to be much of a running back on the ground, but in terms of true yards per carry, he was ninth in the NFL and second in yards per touch. He had 44 receptions on 62 targets for over 400 yards, and he was fourth in breakaway percentage, which measures runs of 15 or more yards. So Duke Johnson was very good on a per touch basis last year. I mean, top 10 in the entire league in terms of true yards per carry and second in the entire NFL in all running backs 
in terms of yards per touch. He was absolutely fantastic. He just didn't get a ton of touches. Overall, you were looking at somewhere around 125 total touches for Duke Johnson. But then after that, there's nobody else in this backfield. You have Buddy Howell, who was an undrafted free agent who only played three games last year and only had five carries and played 18% of the snaps when he was actually active. So that's nothing. Then they have Karan Higdon, who ended up playing no snaps last year out of Michigan. He was last in Michigan in 2018, undrafted free agent last year, did not see a single carry or touch in 2019 during the NFL season. So now you have David Johnson coming here where, of course, Duke Johnson's still back there. Duke Johnson who played 49% of the snaps last year, likely will play somewhere around there this year, but there's just no real threat in competition. You had Carlos Hyde pushing 250 plus touches last year, even with Duke Johnson seeing 125 touches. I'm pretty sure that David Johnson, if he could be half decent and half efficient, is going to see a little bit more passing work than Carlos Hyde saw last year. And I'll throw up Ian Hardett's tweet right here because it kind of sums this up all really nicely in terms of David Johnson should be in line for a huge workload. These are the Texans running back since 2014. Arian Foster, 260 touches, right? Alfred Blue saw 183 since Foster missed 12 games. He was seeing 16 uh, overall targets. You see Lamar Miller's 250 plus. Lamar Miller again, 238. Lamar Miller in only 14 games, 210. And then Carlos Hyde last year saw 245 touches on the ground. So if you feel good inserting in David Johnson here for, let's say 230, 240 carries, let's say somewhere around 25, 30 receptions, it does look like an RB1 upside type season if he's efficient and gets eight to 10 touchdowns. And then just on average, somewhere around an RB2 high end RB3 range. So I do like him based on where I have him ranked 21st overall. My concerns are that Deshaun Watson's not going to throw the ball to him as much one and two, they run him up the middle and he's just absolutely dust there. And then obviously he's getting a little bit older. So there are concerns. That's why he's outside the top 20. David Johnson, my RB21. Before we get into RB22, David Montgomery, I want to let you know about my draft guide. It will be out mid June and you can see the offer down below. It's going to be probably somewhere around $30, but if you want 66% off, you can use the promo code SALFREE on Monkey Knife Fight. I'll, I will have a landing page up shortly, but if you just want to use that promo code there, you'll get an access link. I will send it once the draft guide is set to get it for totally free. So you'll get it for 66% off. The draft guide's going to have a ton of stuff, not only ranks and tiers and stats and all that. I'm going to have a ton of player profiles on all these guys. A lot of the stuff that I cover in these videos will be consolidated into just nice, neat profiles for each individual player, pros and cons. It's going to have a ton of work. I've been spending months on this thing. I'm very excited for it. But for right now, let's get into my running back 22, who continues to move up my rankings in David Montgomery, Chicago Bears running back. David Montgomery started out in my rankings as like RB28 or RB29, maybe even RB30, maybe like two months ago, March, April, when I first put together an initial start of rankings. He's continuously moved up, not only in non-PPR, but even in PPR formats. He's now my RB22. And honestly, the last time I refreshed this was like a week ago. He was my RB24. Like so he keeps on moving up. And it's just hard not to like the opportunity that you're going to get. So in 2019, his rookie season, he played every single game. He played on 57.9% of the snaps. He saw 242 carries alone, added 20 five receptions there. So you're looking at a guy who's pushing 270 total touches. When you factor in his receiving and rushing work, he had close to 1100 yards, seven total touchdowns on 35 targets, right around two targets per game. Now the issue was he was just not efficient at all. 3.5 yards per carry, true yards per carry was 56 in the league. Only 10.7 fantasy points per game was 32nd. And it was hard to be efficient when your team was trailing nonstop. So you couldn't run the ball as much. You're not the pass catching threat on your team, which insert Tariq Cohen's name, why he's seeing 90 plus targets and 79 receptions. David Montgomery also didn't help himself. He was known as this tackle breaker coming out of college. And although he was top 15, and I think he was 12th overall in broken tackle rate, he was just god awful and actually yards created overall 60th. He was god awful in yards created after contact and yards after contact in general, 53rd overall in the NFL out of like only 60 graded running backs. The nice factor though, was that he was the true workhorse on this team. When they weren't trailing, he was getting the ball. The issue was they were trailing a lot because Mitchell Trubisky and this offense in general just stunk, but he was getting the ball and he was getting it in very high upside situations like the red zone. 64.7% of the running back market share in the red zone and 87.5% 
5% inside the five. That's even factoring in fullbacks. That's factoring in the quarterback taking a QB sneak or trying to do a QB option with Mitch Trubisky. So 87.5%, he was that dude inside the red zone and inside the 10. Imagine if they just got there a little bit more. Imagine if they were more efficient of an offense and they weren't trailing by one to two scores most games. And it's interesting to think that you can see Kyle Yates tweet on the screen right now that Chicago should run the ball more. You can see Kyle Yates says that from 2018 to 2019, the Bears went from running the ball 468 times when they had a really good defense and were actually leading in games to only 395 times. That's a huge gap of almost 80 less rushing attempts. When you factor that out across a couple of games, that's about five, four, five less rushing attempts per game. That's a big knock because David Montgomery is probably getting somewhere around two to three of those at the very least. If you factor in that, that's going to be somewhere around like five or six more red zone touches at the very least, maybe two more touchdowns. This is where David Montgomery starts to move up in projections for you. Nick Foles was acquired in the offseason and they did a lot in the offseason. Maybe not the best of things, but they got a bunch of old aging veterans like Jimmy Graham, like Ted Ginn Jr. They got a couple of help on the offensive line. Nick Foles, the quarterback, is going to be likely the biggest help if he can take over. I'm going to project him for probably starting 14 games. Mitch Trubisky, I'll project him for probably starting two games. And that helps this entire offense and David Montgomery a ton. In the NFL draft, they really didn't do too much. Honestly, they, they should have done more for the offensive line, but they didn't. They got Cole Komet, another tight end for some reason. They got Darnell Mooney in the fifth. And then they started to pick up offensive linemen to get two offensive linemen there. Kyle Long did retire during the offseason. So they had to get some help on the offensive line. Jason Spriggs and Jermaine Effendi in the free agency period, both offensive tackles to maybe fill Kyle Long, who was a guard spot last season. They also lost Cornelius Lucas on the offensive line. So a lot of shuffling on this offensive line, not much done in the draft, some done in free agency. So we'll see if they can piece this thing together. In terms of his health and durability, not much concerns yet, at least in his career. He missed no games last year, only popped up on the injury report once with an ankle injury, but did not miss any time. Now the backfield competition is mainly going to be Tariq Cohen, but Tariq Cohen's only going to be a competition piece. He'll probably move out of the slot a little bit, which doesn't actually independently hurt David Montgomery, unless they scheme him a ton on those plays, which I doubt it. And Tariq Cohen shouldn't knock David Montgomery all that much if they just stay in games and actually lead in games because Tariq Cohen was on the field a ton and getting a lot of checkdowns last season when they were just trailing. So the rest of the backfield competition is going to be Ryan Nall and Artavius Pierce. So there's literally no competition here. Tariq Cohen in 2019 played right around 50% of the snaps, 49.8. He saw only 64 rushing attempts, but 79 receptions on 104 targets. And Tariq Cohen ranked eighth in routes run for running backs, 10th in receiving yards, and fourth in receptions for all running backs. So he was very involved in the receiving game. And a big reason why is because they were trailing in games. So he was getting on the field more. Ryan Nall, the third string running back who might threaten for some actual carries on the ground or would be the only real running back to threaten for carries on the ground since Tariq Cohen doesn't really have that sort of a role. Only 64 rushing attempts last year through 16 games. Not much, four per game. Not going to worry me for David Montgomery. Ryan Nall played in two games last year, saw 3% of the snaps and had two carries for eight yards. He is not a threat at all either. So I'll put up an excerpt from Ian Harditz from Roto World. You can check out this article totally for free for David Montgomery. He says 250 touches seems more than reasonable for Montgomery in 2020. Of course it does, right? It looks really good. And once you get to that 250 number, you start to see really good statistical evidence that this running back is going to be probably a top 24 running back, which just means a top RB1 or RB2 for you. Let me circle this main point right here for you. Overall, only nine of 153 running backs with at least 250 touches in a season failed to finish better than an RB24 in PPR format. Now he does point out that this happened last year with three of these players, one of them being David Montgomery, but what are the odds it happens again with David Montgomery? And I think the odds of him getting 250 plus touches are very high. He did it last year in an offense that just absolutely stunk. And I'll close it off with Matt Jajewski's tweet right here, which probably got a lot of people worked up on Twitter that saw this, but what's the difference between Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery? And let me preface this by saying it does not mean talent levels. It means usage levels. David Montgomery, the exact same weight 
in the exact same height, pretty much coming out of college and probably coming into this year as Josh Jacobs, at least the last reported measurables. David Montgomery ran a faster 40 time than Josh Jacobs. And then you start to get into the actual opportunity. They both saw the same exact targets per game. And then you had Josh Jacobs seeing right around three and a half more attempts per game. And the Oakland Raiders were just a better football team. So he could actually run the ball more and they trusted him. And Josh Jacobs, in my opinion, is the more talented runner. But the point here by Matt is that you're going to be getting very similar volume out of these two guys. Josh Jacobs is going to be going borderline first round in fantasy drafts at the start of the second round at the very latest, whereas you can probably get David Montgomery in the fourth, maybe even the fifth round of your drafts right now for similar opportunity. What happens if the Bears offense becomes a really good offense or a much better offense, at least than the Oakland Raiders this year? The performances that you saw from Josh Jacobs last year, touchdown department, efficiency numbers, that can easily become David Montgomery this year. And don't think just because of what happened last year is automatically going to be this year for David Montgomery. You have to remove that bias from your head and say, the opportunity is there for this guy. He was obviously selected high in the NFL draft. He is a talented running back and just put a good offense and offensive line around him. And that's why he's at my RB22 spot. Before we get into James Conner, if I could just ask you for a second of your time and solicit for a like button right here and really the big one, the subscribe and notification bell, those things allow more people to reach me. If people are subscribing within the video itself, watching the video to this point, like a 10, 20 minute mark, whatever we're at right now, it allows more people to actually see because they're saying, oh, these guys are engaging. These ladies are engaging with Sal's content. That means let people like it. Let's show it to more people. So please do hit that like button, smash the subscribe button and the notification bell. It really might not mean a lot to you, but it helps my channel grow so, so much. If you like this content, it's the best thing you can do to support me as a creator for free. Thank you so much. Let's get into James Conner. James Conner is my running back 23 from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And man, oh man, he only played 10 games last year, but it seems like he was injured every single week. He played on 54% of the snaps, 116 carries for 464 yards, seven touchdowns. He saw 39 targets. He got 34 of those. He's actually had the second best catch percentage out of any running backs last year at 87.2%. Now, when he was healthy, he was pretty solid. I mean, 14.6 fantasy points per game, ranked 16th overall. Probably not great for where you drafted him last year as like a top 12 back. But if you're looking at it for this year's purposes, a lot of people are taking him in like the top 25, not even in the top 20. So that's good to look at in terms of when he was out there, he was at least putting up points. And that was what just backups and third string quarterbacks and not a great offensive line when it comes to the run blocking game. He was 39th in true yards per carry at 3.2. His fantasy points per opportunity, fantasy points per yards created, you can see on the screen right now, just not great overall. And then second best catch percentage, like I mentioned, was good to see that he still has these sure hands. Now, Pittsburgh's offensive line in 2019, they ranked 23rd in run blocking unit. But when you talk about their offensive line, a lot of people will tell you, no, this is a good offensive line. That's because they were the fifth best pass blocking unit last year. And it was impressive because they were able to make Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges at times look like competent quarterbacks just for very small stretches. But that was because of the offensive line play gave them more time to actually develop the routes for their receivers and hit their receivers in stride when they had more time to throw the ball. Their best and most consistent meaning out there the most for run blocking snaps offensive lineman was Matt Feeler. Matt Feeler had a 65 offensive line grade, which ranked 83 overall out of all offensive linemen in the league. So their best run blocker was ranked 83rd in the entire league. That's how bad the offensive line was last year. It was not good when it came to run blocking. So is James Conner going to be the workhorse? What is up with this team? They have a lot of running backs in the backfield. We'll talk about some of the additions in a second, but it's all up and down. Beginning of the year, they wanted to use multiple running backs. Then you have the recent reports or the more recent reports of Mike Tomlin saying James Conner, when he's healthy, is the featured guy. The big if is when he's healthy, right? So there's that. And then you have Ian Hart at sweet right here, which is put some shed some light on what the Steelers and Mike Tomlin like to do. Pretty much these running backs, if you're a starting running back and playing in that featured role for the Steelers, you get work. Le'Veon Bell, 25.6. This is from 2014 to 2018 Steelers running backs. Le'Veon Bell, 25.6 actual attempts per game. D'Angelo Williams, 22.8 in that short stretch, if you remember. James Conner, 20.8. Jalen Samuels, 18. Steven Ridley even saw 17 touches per game that he started when he was out there. So it's hard not to think that if James Conner's out there and Tomlin sticks to his word and the actions that he's done in his past, right? Actions speak louder than words. James Conner should see 16 to 18, if not more, touches per game. But if we're saying that actions speak louder than words, then why do you draft Anthony McFarlane 
in the fourth round of the NFL draft, a running back out of Maryland that is very, very explosive and probably going to automatically be the running back two on this team. In the NFL draft, they take Chase Claypool, a receiver, and then Anthony McFarland. You can see the rest of their offseason additions and subtractions right here. A fullback in Derek Watt, a tight end in Eric Ebron, and trying to maybe help out the offensive line, although not the greatest guard in the NFL by any means, and Steven Wiskinski. And then they lose some pieces as well. Nothing that notably, but this is the concern right now is just what is the role going to be with Anthony McFarland, the rookie running back. So I'll put up Anthony McFarland's stats right here in college at Maryland. He was just an absolute beast. He had in 2019, 114 attempts for 614 yards, and he actually caught 17 of 26 targets, nine total touchdowns, but he's just been a broken tackle machine during his few years while he was at Maryland. Uh, he's po- coming in with a 4-4-40 time. He was known for yards after contact and broken tackles. That was his game. He's an explosive and dynamic player, and I think he's going to slot right into the RB2 role because the only other running backs here are Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell. That is the main running back competition, McFarlane, Jalen Samuels, and Benny Snell behind James Conner. And Jalen Samuels was one of the worst running backs we've ever seen in the NFL last season in his performance. And I mean, it's hard to knock him. He's a former tight end. In 13 games, he played on about 43% of the snaps. He ranked 65th in true yards per carry, just 2.6 yards per carry, true yards per carry, and 109th. I haven't even talked about a player this season yet who was outside the top 100 in yards created per touch at 0.42. He was very, very bad. I mean, he had 66 carries for 175 yards. That's not good. He did catch 47 of 57 balls, but there were a lot of those were just checkdowns from Duck Hodges and Mason Ruff. He didn't do anything after them, and that can be indicated based on his yards created per touch number of being. 109th ranked in the entire league. And he's Snell in 11 games, actually got to see some carries when Connor was injured. He saw 108 carries. He saw 3.8 true yards per carry, which is not great, ranked 42nd overall. And he ranked 51st in yards created per touch at 1.14. So these running backs behind them, Benny Snell probably stays on the team since he was drafted last year. I think Jalen Samuel is going to be cut. I think Anthony McFarlane will be right away the backup running back to James Connor. The issues for James Connor for me is that just the injury concerns, right? And I think these are maybe blown out of proportion a little bit. He did miss six games last year. He missed two games in 2018. He's obviously had his track record in college of just things that he's had to battle and fight. So maybe there's concern about just his aging body, but he's still at 25 less than 25 and a half by the time the season starts. If you do not think that these are concerns and it was an AC joint sprain and a quad from last year, I don't think it was too much ligament damage in terms of like you're talking about a knee or anything like that separations. So if he does stay healthy, there's a real chance that he sees 18 to 20 touches per game. So James Conner's a running back right now for me that he could easily move as like a top 18 running back, probably not a top 15 guy for me at this point, but he's moved up. He was like an RB 26 for me. Now he's my RB 23. Your concerns mainly are his health, but then also what is the factor of Anthony McFarlane in his backfield? They're jumping around saying that they're going to use multiple backs. Then Mike Tomlin says that it's going to be James Conner's job if he's healthy. What is actually going to happen? There's uncertainty. We need more information. Right now, he's going to be my RB23. My final running back, my running back 24. And take a second, hop into the Discord after this. Hit that like button and the subscribe button. My running back 24. This will finish out the top two running backs in terms of RB1s, 1 through 12, and RB2s. 13 through 24, is going to be Buffalo Bills running back Devin Singletary. He played in 12 games last year, 69% of the snaps. He saw 151 carries for 775 yards in four touchdowns. Caught 29 of 42 targets. That's a good amount of targets as well for 194 yards. Last season, Buffalo ran the six most times per game at 29.1 per game. Devin Singletary was fifth in the NFL out of all running backs in true yards per carry at a very impressive 4.9 per carry. He was third in breakaway percentage, which measures runs of 15 or more yards. He was top 20 in yards created per touch. 36 broken tackles on 151 carries was elite top five elusive back in that department. And he saw 12.3 fantasy points per game overall. So those were all great things. Now, what are some of the concerns? The main concern was just one, the red zone carries for him. Last year, he saw just four attempts inside the five yard line and 18 overall red zone attempts, which is inside the 20 yard line. Main reason why Frank Gore was there and Frank Gore saw 36.8% of the red zone work and his own quarterback saw 30.9% of the red zone work, including Josh Allen going five for five on runs inside the five yard line, hundred percent success rate. That means five touchdowns, baby. And now they added a back in the draft. Who we'll talk about in a second that is being hyped up as the Frank 
Frank Gore replacement, although that means that you're going to be better than a 37-year-old Frank Gore last year if you're a rookie coming into the league, just naturally you're going to be better at that point based on your athleticism, your age, your, dyna- your dynamics and explosiveness and all that. Buffalo's offensive line in 2019 was right around average, 17th in run blocking, 18th ranked in pass blocking, so as average as you can be. Now, Quentin Spain, though, well below average on their offensive line. He was a death trap. He was a 45.8 grade overall. That ranked 271st out of all offensive linemen who played snaps last year in run blocking. He ranked 271st, so that's no good. Now, guys like Deion Dawkins, John Felicio, and Mitch Morris were all around the 60s in terms of mid to low 60s and PFF run blocking grades, which propped up this line to be a very meh line right around average where they were 17th in run blocking. Now, what did the Bills do in the offseason? Well, in terms of just free agency, not a ton. I mean, they get Stefan Diggs in a trade, but if we're talking free agency, they had some offensive line help in Daryl Williams and Evan Bohem, and then some running back depth in Taiwan Jones, who's likely the fourth string at best on this team. They lose some running backs in Perry and mainly Frank Gore, which is not a big loss by any means. And the big stuff was done in the NFL draft on offense, where they take Zach Moss, a third round running back, Gabriel Davis, who was a pretty hyped up rookie receiver in terms of the mid round picks. They take him in the fourth round and then Jake Fromm, the opposite of Josh Allen in terms of their skill sets in the fifth round. And Zach Moss is the player that I want to focus on here. I'll throw up his college profile from last year. In terms of last year, he was a very good running back in terms of breaking tackles, similar really honestly to a Devin Singletary type runner while he was in college. He was comp to Monte Ball and Kareem Hunt coming out of college, 235 carries. So he was a workhorse last year, over 1400 yards and 17 touchdowns. And he did catch 28 of 29 targets. And in his two full healthy seasons, 2017 and 2019 in college, in the receiving game, he had 28 plus receptions and he averaged 14.5 yards per receptions on those in those two seasons where he actually stayed fully healthy. And now there's comments coming out that Zach Moss, they want him to take on this Frank Gore role. They don't want to give Devin Singletary a workhorse type role. And if that's the case, it means that Devin Singletary is not going to see high upside touches around the red zone and especially the goal line when you factor in Josh. Allen and now Zach Moss. And if Zach Moss can actually catch the ball, like he showed the ability to in college, this can definitely put a major dent in Devin Singletary's other upside category, the two upside categories, meaning red zone touches for running backs and then receiving because of the PPR format, where he saw 42 targets last year. Frank Gore was not active in the receiving game. If Zach Moss is at least a little active, it's going to be another knock against Devin Singletary. So the coach speak right now and the actual draft capital of taking a running back in the third round after you selected Devin Singletary with the third round pick last year is a little bit concerning to me. That's why it makes Devin Singletary a low end RB2, high-end RB3 for me this season, because I can see him taking on a similar role to last year, one in which he doesn't see that much red zone work and maybe doesn't get that much more receiving work or even loses some if Zach Moss proves to be a nice commodity there. And then you factor in that he was just extremely efficient. I mean, you were top five efficiency back as a rookie last year on just 151 touches. Now, what happens if those touches go up a little bit, but your efficiency drops? You get a similar turnout as last year, but maybe you don't get as many touchdowns. Maybe you don't get as many receptions. So that's kind of the concern. That's where my projections are right now. I still think he's a top 25 back, a borderline top 25 back, but he can't get into my top 20 as it stands right now. Other than that, in the backfield, it's just TJ Yeldon, who only played four games last year. He saw actually 13 receptions on 16 targets in those four games. So this is another guy in the backfield. Like if they don't trust Zach Moss, the rookie, and Devin Singletary is not showing much promise in the receiving game, which I think he did last year to an extent, well then TJ Yeldon can actually see some work in passing downs. I don't think that is likely, but it's not without question. Frank Gore is going to leave behind a good amount of work, mainly for Devin Singletary and likely Zach Moss. 166 carries. So there's a lot of work to go around here. 13 receptions for 100 yards as well on 16 touches. And 26 red zone touches, which will be the most coveted. Will those be split up between Devin Singletary and Zach Moss? If you tell me Singletary sees 13 red, more red zone touches next year, I like that, right? 
That means he's probably seeing three or four inside the five yard line. That means he's probably seeing one to three to four or five more touchdowns. I like that a lot. But if you're telling me that almost all those touches go to Zach Moss, it just hurts the overall ceiling of Devin Singletary because he had ceiling performance last year. Think about it. On a per touch basis, he was so efficient. Now, if you're telling me that you're going to cap that ceiling this year and potentially and likely his overall production and efficiency is going to come down, it's just hard to duplicate that type of efficient season. It's hard to really like him. So that is why Devin Singletary is my RB24. And I will get into before we, we close up the show, the comment of the day. So the comment of the day will be prioritized from the podcast reviews. You can go to the Sal Vetri show on Apple and you can leave a five-star review and then you can get shouted out on the show, but we didn't have any, or they didn't come through because it takes a couple of days for them to get actually published or a day and a half or so. So we didn't have any since yesterday, but the comment of the day is something that I'm starting. And it's a way to show some appreciation for people who take the time to write nice things to me in the comment section. It really does help as a creator to see that the work is being valued. So you can see Brandon Dillman had a very nice comment. We had a conversation after this in there. So thank you, Brandon. He just said, just found this channel and I already love the content. You're very articulate and organize your thoughts extremely well. One of the most enjoyable to watch fantasy football channels I've seen in a while. I'm considering hitting that notification bell and I legit never do. Hit that notification bell, Brandon, and anybody else out there hit that. But no, I really do appreciate this comment. It is awesome to hear that you like this. I wrote back pretty much just that I spend like six to seven hours a day on these specific videos, each one every single day prepping them. So I try and lay them out in a way that's easy for people who are watching this to understand. It might be easy for me to understand, but that is not the same for every single person watching this. So I try and articulate it in that sort of a way. So thank you, Brandon. I appreciate that. If you want to be featured in the next video, be sure to leave a nice comment or mainly if you want to prioritize yourself and try and get on without a doubt, leave a podcast review because nobody's really leaving those right now. We have about 250 in there, but nobody has left one in a couple of days. So you can try and do that as well. So as I wrap up this show, those are my top 24 running backs. I'll throw the top 20 up on the board yet again. So you can see them. These are all overall the top 24. Now my RB ones, my RB twos for PPR 2020 fantasy football, hit that big like button before you go take a couple of seconds of your time. If for some reason you are not yet subscribed to this YouTube channel and you're still watching, please, please take a couple seconds, hit that subscribe button and smash that notification bell. So thank you so much. You can answer the question of the day now. Would you rather have David Johnson or David Montgomery heading into 2020 fantasy football season? And if you want 66% off the draft guide, it's going to be a limited time only offer. Hit the link down below to go to Monkey Knife Fight or just use the promo code over there, Sal Free, and I will send you a free draft guide once it releases in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much. Get active in the Discord. My name is Sal, and I will see you all in the next one. Stay safe out there, everybody.